The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Rogers News. Welcome to the Exchange Podcast. I'm Rob Cox, global editor of Reuters Breaking Views. Not many factories resonate with the dulcet sounds of a Steinway like you just heard. But Nanotronics isn't your typical factory. And Matthew Putman, the company's founder and the one who is tinkling the ivories, isn't your typical foreman. Though Matthew has a PhD in applied mathematics and physics from Columbia, he's also a poet, has produced several plays and films, and is an accomplished jazz pianist who has played with some of the greats like Ornette Coleman. The piano you heard at the start of this podcast was in his office at Nanotronics, which is based at New Lab in the old Brooklyn Navy Yard, a place that started making wooden ships for the American military back in the start of the 19th century. Unlike some of the consumer companies that one often associates with startups, like WeWork or Beyond Meat, Nanotronics takes a bit more explanation, which is why I trekked across the East River to see Matthew. Nanotronics invented what it calls a platform that combines AI, automation, and sophisticated imaging for industrial inspection. Basically, it helps manufacturers do a better job by identifying flaws or waste in their processes. Matthew founded the company with his father, John, who had also created a company that used technology to help manufacturers do a better job. Back when he was a kid, Matthew was even on the factory floor helping his father install computers back in Akron, Ohio, where he came from. Anyway, John and Matthew comprised the board, along with Peter Thiel, the famous investor who made a mint betting early on Facebook. Besides Teal, Nanotronics counts the Investment Corporation of Dubai among its shareholders, so it's got some big money behind it. And this September, Nanotronics is expanding its base of operations in the Navy Yard, and in time, don't be surprised to see the company going public. Anyway, to hear all about this and more, give a listen to my chat with Nanotronics founder and musical impresario Matthew Putman. Here we are, Matthew, at, at New Lab, which uh, is the old, it's part of the old Brooklyn Navy Yard. You've been here for how long? How long is the since it opened about three years ago now? And you guys have been sort of one of the cornerstone and sort of people here, right? I mean, yeah, we're the we're the largest tenants here. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure if you know about New Lab, but it it's this exciting place to sort of prototype products that are mostly hardware-based products. Right, this isn't like looking. people doing like internet consumer exactly. stuff. Right? Exactly, and so they're, I think that they're visionary companies that are more foundationally based. Which but, and you're about to do a, sort of a, a, an expansion here, aren't you? Yeah, so we're, I think we're, we're one of the first examples of companies here to do what I think the vision was, which is to go from um, a, you know, a startup, a uh, sure. little growth company, to building a factory, a full factory that incorporates all the research that we've done here, um, everything that has been part of the vision, putting it into one location, putting everyone together as a kind of model blueprint for right. how we see factories and research working. But like, in the yeah, future. it's not factories like the old school. Like, we're not. There's not a bunch of dudes outside like hammering metal into and and you know melding plastics and stuff. This is your, what's your vision of yeah, factories? Yeah, I, I know. I, I'm always even struggling to call it a factory because yeah. immediately ideas of, if you, if you were to look at, at what this factory would look like, the people that are working on, on making parts 
they're they're working on computers. Uh, they're working with gesture control and VR and you know completely automated robots that their creativity is helping to build products through the same way as our PhD artificial intelligence engineers and right. our neuroscientists. It the future is not something that you're likely to lose a finger on the way a factory <laughs> was in the past. Right. It's right. a place that you're able to create and build something every day differently than you were the day before. Right. Uh, that's what this blueprint is. And that's what other companies that we work with are hopefully moving towards. So let's maybe step back us. a little bit, talk about nan nanotronics a bit. Sure. I mean, you've, you've uh, I mean, let's, I mean, explain as briefly as you can what the product is, how it helps, you know, other companies with their, their actual manufacturing processes. Right. Nanotronics started out with a kind of simple goal, which I guess maybe not so simple, uh, which is I saw incredibly exciting things happening in laboratories. I worked at a laboratory at Columbia University. Right. Um, but, you know, these things are like, you know, next generation photovoltaics. <coughs> Sorry. Or, uh, genomic sequencing and regenerative medicine and uh, next generation electronics and all of these exciting things that were getting stuck in small labs. Uh, because they really weren't taking advantage of a lot of modern technology. Right. That's different things in computation, in artificial intelligence, in robotics. Um, nanotronics had this goal, you know, nanotronics at the time being me and my father, right, right. <laughs> had this goal of creating something that was inexpensive um, by comparison to how things are done on a th on grand scale before. Mm -hmm. uh, and accessible to be able to create the next generation of these things like electronics. Mm -hmm. So we made we started by making using a four hundred year old invention, which is a microscope. Right. Uh, you, you use this because it's incredibly intuitive, and if you talk to most scientists, using a vis visual microscope is still what they like to do the most. You mm -hmm. can see things over a large distance. Now you take that and you take computation that does some automation so that it can see, not just see what you're, you know, through something, but identify it and then make predictions based on using artificial intelligence. So we were kind of a software company in that way until we had the sense that, you know, customers didn't want to have yet another, uh, you know, SaaS supplier. You know, right, there's so they, much out that's there. That's right, right. Uh, and, you know, we don't just don't plug into everybody else's system. How could we? Because uh, you're not there to like replace, I don't SAP or something like not that. Not at but all. Rather to yeah. Yeah. like it's sort of to add another layer of. Yeah, I I think that where people have figured out that accounting needed to be centralized, and even in the sense of manufacturing, people were getting data, but what they didn't realize is that, you know, a small system could exist that is as powerful as anything they're seeing from some of the larger companies, mm -hmm. but they could be running their production. And if you do that, you reduce scrap, you yield, you get better yields, and most importantly, you get innovation happening at, you know, the, at orders of magnitude faster. So, so give me an example otherwise. of how it works, like what a typical sure. customer, maybe even name one. I mean, how does it work? What do you, what do they ask for? Or how do you, how does that relationship turn into something that's, uh, you know, a sale as it were? Yeah, sure. Uh, so generally people have two things going on. So you would have um, a company, we work throughout supply chains of things. Right. So you can imagine a smartphone, for instance, 
um, you know, uh, hundred chips, uh, different uh, chipsets in it, and a screen, and the information that you're gathering about where there might be problems, how you can change things, goes across an incredible supply chain of multiple right. countries. And how what you do with that information in order to improve on it is a difficult thing to do. So a company would come to us that, let's say, makes a uh, 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 energy efficient device in there for improving um, battery life. Sure. This is just as an example. I mean, we could go through any industry, really, that we work with. Um, if they came to us, they have the goal that most companies would have, which is to make better products, next generation products, and do it less expensively. This is, sure. you know, Moore's Law. It's all, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it, which is way before Moore's Law, too. This is the goal of, uh, you know, of abundance right. and many. Uh, they would come to us, we would supply them with a simple piece of hardware, um, that, which would do imaging as a way of. You know, being able to. You say a simple piece of hardware. I know. I, you know. I, okay. <laughs> but but well, it, I mean, I've, I've looked at on your website and I see the, okay. the hardware is. Well, yeah. So a simple may not be exactly the the right word. Right. I would say accessible. Right. Um, I, I've spent my life in factories, and the the more I go into a factory, and something occurred to me, but the most high-tech factories in the world are semiconductor factories. Mm -hmm. If you go, you know, there's no particles in the air, it, most right. of it's automated. But I say that if, if Henry Ford went to one, it would look a lot like, you know, the right. process would be a lot like what he's used to. But what wouldn't be the same is incredibly complex instruments that use hardware, like laser interferometry and atomic force microscopy, things that even by the name of them. Wait, say that again, atomic force atomic microscopy. Atomic force microscopy, <laughs> things that can see things yeah, on the right. atomic level. This is, I mean, they're amazing tools. Right. But they're incredibly expensive and they take and your PhDs product, though, is to be able to, and that are experts in one Yours is thing. not one of those. It's Ours a, is a 400-year-old yeah, invention that uses modern robotics right. to move things. It gets something completely programmable right. so it doesn't, you know, technicians, people that are working in, on, on these don't have right, to right, be right. extremely trained on this. So when I say Got simple, it. yes, everything under Relatively simple. I mean, <laughs> we're, we're analyzing terabytes right. of data and we're using you know multi-layer neural nets to do it. So simple maybe right. overstating I get it. I get it. Um, ease of use maybe right. the better way they, to say it. But they can and, plug it into their yeah, system is right. what makes it simple. Yeah. And yeah, so they will do this in order to see where their process is varying through time. Um, they they will do this to see how they can make a better product in the future. Mm -hmm. And so we, we're kind of an ecosystem within a factory from, sure. from research to their factories. And now we're becoming the platform for those. Something that we call artificial intelligence process control. Right. So just controlling the process using modern artificial intelligence. Uh, so, so that's, so, but, but so um, who wouldn't, like what, who would think that that's a threat? I mean, is there any, is it the, is it the actual software as a service people? Is there anyone who sees a threat, or is it, or are you just like the, you know, the lovable, cuddly accessory to this picture um, of automation? <laughs> it depends who you talk to about whether I'm lovable and cuddly as far as a business stuff. <laughs> so, so there's 
there's no reason for a customer, a user, to be put off by the idea. I mean, it's well, it's, it's theory. It's if you're helping them to it's manufacture upside, more, and we have yeah. we, you know, there's an incredible amount of risk mitigation for them in our business model. Okay. We can talk about that a little bit, but they have very little risk in giving us a try. Um, and most other companies that are working in the space, I consider partners and not competitors. So, a, you know, somebody who makes a controller like a Siemens or an mm -hmm. ABB or an Allen Bradley, um, you know, we work with those controllers. Right. We work with Olympus objectives for microscopes. So, I think that there are two sort of competitive things out there. One is this making of expensive. Right. In my expensive, complicated hardware. The companies that do that, the you know, yes, this is a different mindset. Right. It's lowering the barrier of entry to to be able to either build a brand new factory or to revolutionize an right. old factory. Right. So that you know, they don't want it to be less expensive. They don't want it to of the course, barriers to yeah. so I mean, that's their business model. So right. it's a bit that's of a the threat disruptive to them. part of the yeah. business model. Right. For that, you. So it's disruptive to them. Certainly not to the SaaS companies. We will interface with. You know, with SAP systems or Oracle systems, what you know, no, they're they're partners in all right. of this in a way. So the other would just be a mindset. So so could, let me say, so how long ago did you found the company? Did you say in 2010. 2010, you've done a couple of fundraisings. Now you're almost, I guess, what we call a near unicorn yeah. here on the the yeah. Brooklyn waterfront. Um, what's the Brooklyn what's waterfront the, unicorns? I guess it's Brooklyn kind of waterfront rare, unicorn. Rare, but yeah. like, I hope I hope not. So. It, well, it's probably oxy, it's an oxymoron, right? In some way. <laughs> but what what is the you know what is your plan for global domination? Our I, I plan for global domination is to be what if we, if we I guess when people think about unicorns, the first sort of unicorns were the ad tech companies, the people, yeah. especially when you're talking about use of AI. You know, so you know the, the Googles, the Facebooks, and now you're looking towards all of the companies that are IPOing right. this year. Um, and next year, uh, where the reason why those were able to happen uh, was that you could do it in a dorm room. You yeah. know, you could right, create right, right, a social right. network in a dorm room. Um, what if you could create the things that you build, the foundation of what will be the next applications? Mm -hmm. uh, meaning, whether it's chips, whether it is genome sequencing uh, equipment. Um, whether it's new types of materials, whether it's new types of biologics, all of those things. If, you, if the barrier to entry was like the barrier to entry for the last generation of unicorns, which was dorm then, room, yeah, was dorm room. Right. Then, if that, if the same thing were to happen now, then world domination becomes all of the things that are made are made with a platform I that see. is either a nanotronics platform or the same idea type type of thing, which moves from you know, bits to atoms, and, and moves to atoms because of all the advancement right. in bits, and, and it becomes a circular type of thing. Sure. So what? So you are. It's you and your father were the founders of the company. Yeah. Right. Um, and you have, but you also have Peter Thiel. Is that right? As a what is he? As a director. He's a, yeah. He's our. Uh, so we have a, our our board is very small. It's, yeah, it's, it's you my and your father <laughs> and Peter Thiel. Right. So it's the three of us. And um, what's his interest? Why is he interested in some business like this? Oh, you know, I, I, the, the last thing I want to do is speak for somebody as complex and right. interesting as Peter. Uh, but 
Certainly. But what's his role? I mean, how does he give you advice? You know, given he's out there and he's been involved in those, as you say, those early kind yeah. of platform. I, P- Peter does something things. for an entirely an entirely different sector than the way I do things. Right. But but there's something similar about it. He bridges ideas from his experience and sees where they're relevant to manufacturing, to next generation electronics, to nanotechnology, all the things that we do. So. Experience that he may have had at PayPal or right, at Palantir right. or at Facebook, to an average mind, <laughs> might might not seem exactly right, relevant. Right. Um, but you know, he he acts. You know, he's able to help me see the connection. Well, I mean, I suppose it's both. He's it's a smart guy, obviously, but he's also an outside in the sense that he can. Yeah, right. He that that's a, that that actually becomes a benefit. Yeah. You know, we can find a lot of insiders. There are a lot of people that have been involved with manufacturing. And you want to hear them. You want to see where the problems are in manufacturing. You want to see who those leaders are. But you also want somebody that doesn't have all the pre- preconceptions, right. hasn't been overtrained baggage. to think right. <laughs> it becomes baggage. Um, and that's not just Peter. I mean, we have a. I, I, I'm lucky to have a lot of people. You in also my have like an advisory way. board, don't you? Or something? Yeah, I, we have an advisory board, and I'm just lucky to have a lot of friends <laughs> in, in, in the in different industries. Right. But our advisory board ranges from you know somebody who worked in in government who was the CTO to to uh, President Obama, to um, you know, the founder of nanotechnology, to one of the founders of Skype, and right. you know, and these things seem completely unrelated. But uh, at the same time, I you know, most of my life was unrelated, and I make parallels. well, like, like let's let's pivot to that, like, like sure. you know, the, your story, which is kind of interesting. Um, I mean, you you uh, actually went to school for. To, to, you were going to be a musical impresario. You probably you still uh, are. That, still that, that, that impresario. That, that okay. <laughs> no, but you you. Studied, I, I don't know if I put it in the screen. You it's like along with world domination for nanotronics is the impresario. Of right, music. But let's right. the, I mean, you, you didn't go. You know, like straight to get your PhD no. in uh, you know mechanical engineering or something. You went. That's you true. actually went and got your yeah degree in yeah. music. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I did. Yeah, exactly. I was in the arts and yeah. I played music. I I. Uh, still play music a lot. You're gonna play for this podcast. Oh my god! I'm gonna make you. But but so but, but is there some harmony, as it were, between what you your your passion or the, what you studied then and and actually what you're doing now? I think there is, and this is always a it's it's always something that has come up for years, not with me even, but how does music relate to science and how right. you know because a lot of the greatest scientists were musicians right it's it. like a weird comp there's a weird uh, pairing yeah. there yeah to throw myself in with with you know my peers einstein never traveled with that violin i <laughs> <laughs> uh, clearly we're right. not dealing with that well you can't travel <laughs> traveling with pianos a bit more oh yes it's just that's the only difference that's the between only difference. einstein and myself <laughs> but other than that just, yeah, the, the, exactly. no but it, but it's it's you know, th- figuring that out is difficult for me, but figuring out sort of how innovation can happen quickly. Um, you know, I play free jazz now. Um, okay. I, so I play completely improvised jazz where there are a group of people, we, we listen to each other, we play off of each other, and a new creation happens every time we're together. Right. We don't know why that happens. You can go back and analyze it later, but you don't know why, but it's an experiment. And the, the, the goal is to have something original created that wasn't there before. Right, right. Every time things start to become rigid and bureaucratic about, crea- about things we do at Nanotronics, I have to 
somehow remember that we are in this right. experimental improvisation. That where you phase. pull out the banjo or the yeah. Well, even if it, yes, <laughs> banjo <I> meeting. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I, I actually do that, but um, it's what, you know, people wonder why I um, you know have to have rooms that are quiet like this. It's because so they don't have to put up with listening to me play. But uh, I think that I, I think that if I want, I don't want that just to be for us. You know, the world will progress. If if we continually f say, oh, God, I, I forget, we shouldn't be a bureaucracy. We have to think that right. what we did yesterday, you know, the scientific method, which is, I know I, I don't want to get to where to what my hypothesis is. That's the whole goal of science: is that you have this dream that, you know, I'm going to experiment. It's going to go in paths that my own, you know, my mind's not right. going to lead to. This is a new discovery. Um, so music is I, very much like music that. is a discovery every time, yeah. and I hope that creating uh, products like Nanotronic stuff we do at Nanotronics, and I hope that. Um, well, you've got it. You're, you're uh, you've got a you've got a band or your your, your group or you're you're playing or performing or something soon, right? Or you yeah a, yeah we have we have um, three performances coming up um, soon, uh, which I love. These I learn. I, you know, we talk about learning from Peter Thiel. Um, I play with some established jazz musicians that have been, you know, doing this stuff in New York and around, you know, since the 1970s. And I, I learn so much from them philosophically, musically, and there are bridges that can be connected. I mean, you right. can connect what goes on at PayPal to you know, what went on when somebody was playing with Ornette Coleman in his apartment in uh, 1970. All right, well, yeah. well that, we probably don't have time to completely make that bridge right oh, now. No, no, I'm <laughs> but, I don't, no, no, I, I, clearly I, you don't have to, but no, it's I, fun I, for me to. <laughs> how did you, but so what, where did the switch happen, the transition from being a musician solely focused on music to, I mean, you're, 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 you have a little bit of manufacturing in your blood, don't you? I have a lot more manufacturing probably in my blood the than music. I do music. Um, and, you know, I was, my father had started a company that has some similarities, but for the last generation of technology. He put um, personal computers onto factory floors in the 1980s. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty original yeah. thing to do for controlling processes, doing all the things I want to do now with artificial intelligence. So. You know, when starting that, that was really a garage company, literally right. a garage company. And, you know, I was eight-year-old child labor running, uh, <laughs> running tests <laughs> and getting paid a dollar an hour in, our, in my kitchen table as a right. kid. So I was doing really statistics and science, not thinking of it that way, thinking of it as a way to buy comic books, but right. uh, when I was eight years old. So, you know, and I, so I have been doing this stuff. So you've been exposed to the factory floors. Yeah, work. as my father had, by yeah. the way. He had worked with my grandmother um, on starting a company when he, you know, when he was a teenager. Uh, this, this is, is where, where is this? This is so, in Brooklyn. Then. No, no, this was so the equivalent of what we're trying to do here, but for a century ago, the, sort of when the second industrial revolution, Akron, Ohio, right near right. Cleveland, Ohio, this was the tire capital of the world. Right. It was the like rubber good city. Stone, good good, good year and good Firestone. Good year, and good rich, which good my, rich, my grandfather yeah. worked, um, and Firestone. All the companies okay. were there. 
Um, yeah. Sadly, not anymore. And that's sort of what's happened to the Rust Belt in general. But no, it, was, it, it wasn't just those larger companies. There was this ecosystem of companies that were support to them and then could, could right. bridge to other industries that came out of there. Uh, so if, if you would go back to the time that my grandfather started working there in 1928, you saw that that's where people were coming like they do, did to Silicon Valley over right. the last 40 years. Right. Um, and that I think could come to the Brooklyn waterfront now. So you so you you went to work with your father for a while after a a, after point. after the you know I must be honest the failed music career <laughs> but <laughs> failed in 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 some ways and in some ways I never lost you know interest in not you know I, I never lost interest in wanting to innovate right and there was and I did realize there were certainly limits to my ability to innovate as a musician especially then. Um, I wasn't, you know, conservatory thinking is that type of thinking where you reach the hypothesis. Right. And I, and I don't think that, that was particularly yeah. good for me, and maybe I wasn't good enough for it. It depends how you look at it. So I did, I did things, I produced plays, I did a lot of interesting things and had some mm -hmm. interesting experiences in New York. Um, but then, you know, realized that, that this creativity could be applied to the business. And now you're like 100% focused on this, aren't you? I mean, plus your music. Other than those jazz gigs. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, you know, so everything ties to everything else. You know, I am absolutely 100% focused on Nanotronic's success. And it's lucky because we do touch so many industries and we do so much ourselves yeah. that I can, I can kind of encompass all of those dreams in a small company. And now you've got investors too. I mean, your venture capital yeah. back. So yeah. someday you're going to have to make a massive return for them. Yeah, yeah. Easy, easy. That's easy. Oh, that's <laughs> no. So, so you'll go. Well, hopefully what, it's what a massive happen? return for us all. But, yeah. but go what, public eventually. What's the? Uh, probably. Um, I. What I would say is that the goal is not to start a company and quickly flip it for these investors to right. make um, a quick profit. I hope some aren't shocked to hear that, but I don't think they are. I mean, I'm very, we're very aligned with our investors and uh, they're wonderful. Uh, and so this is what I want to be doing. This is, what our, this, is, this is where we can build a foundation for this future right. that I care about. So whether it's going public, whether it's becoming a massively profitable company, I don't want to be, I'm not going anywhere. Right. So it's not, I'm not looking for acquirers for an exit. Thanks for listening to The Exchange. This podcast was produced by Freddie Joyner. If you haven't already, please sign up on iTunes and anywhere else you satisfy your audio cravings for The Exchange, The Views Room, and other Reuters podcasts. You can also check us out at breakingviews.com and on Twitter at Breaking Views and at Rob1Cox. Thanks for tuning in and adios.